Welcome to the Voice of Victory podcast. The goal of this podcast is to preserve the life and ministry of our late pastor, Dr. Jim Tedder. For 58 years, Dr. Tedder was the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We believe the message you're about to enjoy will be a help and an encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. And now, here is Dr. Jim Tedder. Fourth chapter of the book of James. James 4, verse 14. James 4, verse 14. Before we get started into tonight's preaching, <clears throat> this coming Thursday night, Brother Bobby, <clears throat> Brother Bobby Logue is teaching a, a class on good grief. It's not good grief, it's good grief. And we were, I sat in on that class last uh, Thursday night and and he showed us ten ways that grief can be born or grief can come upon an individual. And what to go, what we go through, what to expect. We might not go through all those ten phases of grief. We might not go through any of them. But I sure learned something. And uh, this coming Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we'll be doing another class on good grief. And we ask you to come out and, and be with us. Also, uh, my grandson, I mentioned, I mentioned to you this morning that, that Gavin was sick and, and uh, he's not any better. And uh, we heard a few moments ago that his kidneys have almost stopped on him. And so it's, it's, we're, we're asking for prayer. Rust is asking for prayer, prayer and we're asking for prayer uh, for the little man. And, and uh, they've told him at Murfreesboro that uh, if the kidney should stop, then, then just get him in the car and get him to Vanderbilt as fast as they could. And so you, you pray for our grandson, Gavin. And then also, uh, the, earlier this week, there was a Miss Ziegler that, that I didn't know the lady, but the family called me and she passed away. I went up and, and, and tried to minister to the family up at the nursing home. And uh, then the, the lady passed away. And, and so pray for the Ziegler family. And uh, we also uh, got a call this week, Judy Young, formerly Judy Tillett, uh, has cancer, and they did surgery on her over in, in the hospital at Murfreesboro, and uh, she's requested prayer for my church. So I wish you would just pause a little bit, a little bit right now, and, and just pray for these that are in need that I just now mentioned. Uh, we, we desire, we're very desirous of your prayers, and, and uh, we'd appreciate very much your help in that manner. Brother Walter, would you do the honors, please, of wording our prayer? If you don't mind, brother, would you come here where the church can hear? Father, at a time like this, I feel unworthy to pray and to come to you in your presence. I was thinking about that this morning. What an honor it is to come into your presence with words. I don't understand it completely, but it's scriptural. That, uh, I know we are encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace, and we do that tonight through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which makes it possible. But we come tonight on the behalf of those prayer requests of the little Galvin, or Galvin. Lord, never had this happen to my son like this. I mean, you understand because you you had a son that died for us, but you know what, what it's all about and what's involved. And Lord, I pray that you'd intervene and help him heal him and bless him. I know we pray for, 
pray this way so, so often, Lord, and, and saying bless this or bless that, but Lord, we pray tonight that you'd heal him. And I know that's not a question if, if you can. It's, it, I know you can, you know, but your will, we don't understand your will. I, we know that your will is better than our will, but Lord, being that we don't understand all of the ins and outs of it, we ask that you'd heal him. Lord, and he does need some help. Maybe it's, you need to give the doctors unusual wisdom. And I know that that needs to be prayed for in this day and time. There's so many times they don't know what to do and they, and they do the best they can, but Lord, you can do, do greater than they can. And I pray that you'd heal it. And then the lady that, uh, with the cancer and operation, Lord, bless and help her. I don't even know the lady, but I know that you do. And Lord, I know that uh, you can answer prayer. And down through the years, I've seen you do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that we've asked or thought about. And Lord, you can do it again. And you're always able to do that. And Lord, help us to rely more on you. And I've just been thinking about this year again, the beginning of the year. Lord, help us just to believe your promises and believe what you've said. And Lord, you've said to come to you with our prayer request and and Lord, we're doing that tonight. Please intervene and help. And Lord, may we get a good report soon that you've healed in these cases. And we'll, we'll, we'll praise you for it and thank you for it because we know it will be from you. Again, Lord Jesus, we love you tonight. And, and may this be a, a sweet service tonight. Bless our pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. Open your Bibles now to the book of James, chapter 4, and verse 14. James 4, and verse 14. The scripture said, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Lord, I lay my hand upon that verse of scripture, for what is your life? That question asked. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about that question tonight, that you would grant us, Lord, that we could be able to deliver a message from the word of God that would glorify your son. I join Brother Walter in praying for Gavin and praying for Judy and praying for the Ziegler family. God bless them. I know there's others, Lord, that stand in need of prayer. And, but they, but we, we, we raise these up especially before your throne tonight because they've requested a special prayer. And now, Lord, we trust you and we believe and pray thy will be done. Now, grant me, Lord, the ability to preach tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> question what is your life within the same verse God answered that question and said it is but a vapor it is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and and then vanisheth away you know for a few minutes tonight we want to consider that question what is your life I want you to consider it with me it's a solemn question a sobering question if I'd ask a medical doctor what is your life or what is life, he might give me a cold answer and say, well, that's just the way things happen and we have to accept it. I don't like cold doctors. I like human doctors. And, and today I'm, I'm afraid that we've, we've got us a, a breed of doctors that are almost inhuman as far as their diagnosis is concerned, as far as their emotions are concerned. And, and uh, somehow or another, I think that they have forgotten that, that death will come upon all as them as well as us. Sometimes I'm not against all doctors because there are some very human, very real doctors, but I, I detest the professional doctors.
doctor that I see today that's so cold and indifferent toward the patient. What is your life? If we ask uh, tonight uh, some scientists, so-called scientists, what is your life? Or what is life? They would say it's a product of evolution. We just evolved from a lower form. Uh, no, we didn't. We, 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 we came from the highest form. We came from God himself. And so they're wrong. The scientists are wrong in that. If I ask a poet tonight, what is your life? He might say, well, life is like a journey. We, we know the poem that read so many times at the funeral service entitled Crossing the Bar. We can ask an actor tonight, what is life? He might say that life is a drama. If we ask the government tonight, what is life? Our government might say, well, it's a social security number or uh, means of identifying. It's just a just nine-digit number on a social security card. I don't like that either. Uh, if we ask tonight uh, a general in an army, what is your life? What is life? He, he would probably answer, it's a price that men have to pay for war. What is life? If we ask a dictator that, he would say it's nothing to be concerned with. What is life? If we ask an abortionist, an abortionist that, he would probably say life doesn't really exist until I say it exists. And so, but tonight when we look into the Word of God and ask God the question, what is life? He answers it saying it's like a vapor. I think God is saying in, in that answer that he gives in the book of James chapter 4 verse 14 that life here on earth is only a moment compared to eternity. Only a moment compared with eternity. I praise God that, that we can be ready for eternity. And, and I want you to notice as we go through the Bible and seek God's answer to what life is, he said in, in the text that we read tonight, it's like a vapor. He said in the book of Job, chapter 14 and verse 1, Job 14, 1, what is life? He said, man that is born of a woman is a, full days, uh, is a few days in, full of trouble. So God said, life here on earth is sometimes a trouble thing. It is trouble. The Bible teaches that and experience teaches that. Uh, sometimes it, things happen that we don't want to happen and they happen in unexpected ways that we never dreamed of them happen, happening. <clears throat> and it's sometimes we could have to say with, with Job that life is trouble. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 3, what is life? David said that there is but a step between me and death. What is life? It's only one step away from the grave and one step away from eternity. That's God's way of saying death is always close to us. You hear me? Death is always close. Just a step between us and death. This is not a morbid message, so don't get, don't get down on me. But there's but a step. Look, a step between us and eternity. Between us and death. According to the Word of God. I remember Mrs. Uh, David Maine's mom and dad. Uh, they took a trip back up to, to their home where they were from Connecticut, I think, the best of my remembrance. And after they got up there, they had a little cabin rented, and they went out in that cabin, and, and it was cool, and they turned the, 
gas on and, and, and supposedly lit the gas heater. But something happened and the gas heater went off and uh, they never woke out of their sleep. Several days later, they found both husband and wife in the bed, uh, dead because of the gas fumes. It was, it was only a step between them and death. Over at Lynchburg, there's a little short man that had a little bitty foot about size six or seven. Shoe he wore, his name was Jack Daniel. Jack got mad one day and he kicked the safe in his office. And after the kick of the safe, he, he broke a toe or did some kind of damage to his foot. And because of him kicking that safe, he died of blood poisoning. They sold that safe a few days ago. I don't know how much it brought. I don't know what was in it. But uh, I don't know if I'd want a safe that Jack Daniel owned, owned one time, but it was sold at, at public auction. I read one time about an atheist. You know, I'd stand up and get a big crowd of people around and say, if there's a God, then let him strike me dead. And he stood there like that one day and said, there's no God, and if there is a God, then let him strike me dead. I'll give him 10 seconds to kill me. And he started counting nine, or ten, nine, eight, seven. And, and people were afraid that God's going to send a bolt of lightning and strike him dead. Instead, God sent a fruit fly. The thing flew down his throat and choked him to death, literally. He died of a fly inside of his mouth. God didn't need a bolt of lightning to get rid of an atheist. He could take a little old stinking fruit fly and get rid of an atheist. Amen? And, and so there's just but a step between us and death. A tornado came last week and killed 22 people down in Georgia and Alabama. We hear of car wrecks every week. We hear shootings every week where people that's gone wacko goes out and get a gun and start shooting people. God said it's but a vapor. Life is like a vapor. Brother Bob Lester and I was riding one day out on visitation and the beautiful day in the, in the spring of the year and the the sky was blue and there was a few real puffy white clouds in the sky. And as we drove, uh, I think was driving east, I noticed all of a sudden one of those clouds getting smaller and smaller and smaller and then vanishing. I never seen anything like that before. And then I picked, I set my own another cloud and, and it would get smaller and smaller and then vanish. And I pointed that out to Brother Bob. I said, look at that. And he was up in his 80s and we admired the clouds as they vanished. Now, God said, that's the way your life is. It's just like that cloud. It's just like a vapor. And, and, and then all of a sudden, it's just gone. And, and you don't know what happened to it. You don't know when it left, but it's just gone. The Bible tells us in the book of Hosea, chapter 10 and, and verse 7. Hosea 10, 7. The scripture says here, as for Samaria, her king is cut off as the foam upon the water. God said, what is life like? We asked God that. He said, it's like foam on the water. It's there. You're looking at it. And then all of a sudden, it vanishes away. We asked God, what is death? In the book of, uh, of uh, Psalms 90 and verse 5 and 6, he said, it's like the grass that's growing today, then it's cut down tonight and it's withered away. Psalms 90, verse 5 and 6. Ask God, what is life or what is uh, lifelike in Job chapter 9 verse 26 he said it's like a swift ship have you ever stood at the ocean side and, and watched a ship as it sails out into the ocean have you ever watched that 
Uh, for a while it's big and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it becomes a little speck on the horizon and then it vanishes away. Now God said that's the way your life is. See, I, I'm not making all this up. This is the way God said life is in the Bible. What is your life? It's like a swift ship. Uh, you see it and then all of a sudden it's gone. In that same verse of Scripture, in Job chapter 9, verse 26, the Bible said life is like the speed of a flying eagle. Oh, that eagle can fly with great speed. And God said, that's the way life is. You see it, and then it soars and gone, and, and, and it, it is no more. Then in the next verse in the book of Job, or in the verse above that in Job chapter 9 and verse 25, uh, the Bible said life is like a, a, a post running or a, or a runner running, carrying a message like a postman. That, that's what he's talking about, a messenger. And, and he's like a swift runner. It, it, I mean, here he comes. There he goes. And it's all over. God said that's what life is like. In the book of Psalms 39 and verse 5, the Bible said life is but a handbreadth away. A handbreadth. How close we are to, uh, to death. Well, What's God's message? What's he trying to tell us in giving us all these comparisons? You say, Brother Jim, that sounds rather depressing tonight and wish you'd preach on something a little bit more joyous. Well, I'm enjoying preaching on that. I'll give you a verse. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. So while we, and it's swift down here. Our life down here is swift. But God said, what is an exit down here for a child of God is an entrance up yonder. And he said it's very precious. That entrance into glory is precious for the child of God. Over in the book of, of by the way, God, the God that I serve, is not a depressing God. I was talking to Brother Ralph while ago, and he said we ought to be joyous. I said, well, that's what God's will is for us. We ought to be joyous. And, and in, the, in the book of John chapter 15, verse 11, John 15, verse 11. Find that in your Bible. We're going to do some real swift Bible uh, reading here and, and talk about some things. In John 15, 11, Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, he said, I've got joy. And he said, I want my joy to be in you and I want the joy that you have to be full joy, not half joy, but full joy. But he said, these things have I spoken unto you to bring you that joy. Now, what are these things? That's a legitimate question, is it not? These things have I spoken that, that, to you that your joy might be full. Now, what are these things? Look in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. I'm talking about these things have I spoken. And this is a great sermon, a great discourse that Jesus gives here. Uh, John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, they just run right through and, and Jesus is talking uh, to his disciples here and he said in John 14 uh, verse 1 and this is something that he said that we might have full joy. This is part of these things. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I like that. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Oh, I like that. Oh, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that your joy might be complete. Look at verse 16 of that same chapter. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide 
with you forever. Look at verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. I like that. That's part of these things that Jesus has spoken unto us. I've lost a lot of loved ones lately, and Barbara's side of the family has lost a bunch of loved ones in the last few years, and I'm speaking to people in here that your loved one has left here and gone on to glory in the last few years, and and, and, but Jesus is saying, listen to me, I want you to have joy about this. I don't want you to be defeated about it. But he said, I want you to know something. Because I live, because I live, your loved one that died in Jesus is just as much as alive right now as they ever were. Because I live, ye shall live also. That's part of these things that ought to bring us joy. Look at verse 27 of that same chapter. The Bible said, Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Well, praise be God. Look at verse 28. And ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you, if you love me. If you loved me, you would rejoice, because I said I go unto my Father, for my Father is greater than I. Hey, the man that came from heaven to this earth, Listen to me. He said, heaven is far greater a place to be than this planet. And he said, I'm going to heaven. And if you'd really loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going back to where I came from. I'm going back to heaven. I know what it's like there. Boy, you and I don't. We got a few glimpses of it in the Bible, but Jesus knew what it was like. And he said, you would rejoice because I'm about to go back to my father. You know, that can take a little bit of sting out of the passings of our loved ones. The Bible says in chapter 15 and verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I like that. I have chosen you. Isn't that precious? Jim, chosen. Jesse, And Gail adopted Cindy. Cindy, their daughter, rode our bus, I guess, when she was almost an infant. I mean, just what, three or four, four years old, she started riding our bus. And uh, through that little girl, Cindy, Gail started coming to church here. And, and then later on, uh, got Daddy to come every now and then. Not too frequently, mind you, but every now and then because Cindy would invite him to church. And then Brother Jesse met me one day before he was my brother, and he said, Preacher, he said, uh, I want to be saved. But before I can be saved, I've got to tell you something. Cindy is adopted. She's not really our flesh and, born, flesh and blood born child, and she's been adopted. And I don't know how to tell her she's adopted. Would you tell her for me? And so I prayed hard, and we went over to uh, where they lived and lived in that apartment house in behind off of White Street there. You remember, Brother Jesse, and, uh, close to White Street. And, and I went down there, and, and I got Cindy down. I said, Cindy, most people have no choice as to who their parents are. I mean, they're born into that family. There's not a solitary thing they can do about it. They're just born into that family, and... 
But I said, there's a few children that are very special. They're not born into the family, but they're chosen by the family to be part of that family, of that household. And, and I said, that's called adoption. Do you understand? She said, yes. I said, you're one of those special girls, Cindy. You were chosen. You weren't born into Gail and, and Jesse Merlo's family, but they chose you and brought you into their family. Oh, hallelujah. You know what? I was chosen of God too. Isn't that precious? Out of all the billions of people, oh, let that flood your soul. Out of all the billions of people in the world, God has chosen you and God has chosen me to be part of His great family. I, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit may abound. Folks, listen, only the church can produce fruit and only the saved can produce fruit that 10 million years from now that fruit will still be around. President Clinton is trying to leave behind the legacy. I think he already has. I'd hate, I don't know, I'd hate to be in his shoes and read history's report about the president that was impeached and thought it was an honor. And the president says, is, might not mean is, and is, if really is, is, then is, might not be is, but if it is, is, then is is something I don't want it to be. I mean, that's the way I understood it. That might not be the way he said it. I'd hate to have done that. I'd hate to have been known as a president that laid my hand on the Word of God and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help me God, and then get up and lie to the American public. I'd hate to have been, I'd hate to have that legacy. But he's trying to do something. If you'll notice what he's trying to do, Do you know what he's trying to do, folks? He's trying to spend your money. Well, we got this glitch with the Internet. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to ask Congress for $2 billion to straighten up the Internet. Well, we got this problem over here. I'm going to ask Congress for $39 million to straighten that up. There's a little verse of Scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes that says, Money answereth all things to the man that's under the sun. And that man is thinking like a natural man when he thinks that money is going to answer all things. Money is not going to solve America's problems. Oh, would to God that the man would put on sackcloth and ashes and repent before God and say, I, I, I'm a liar and I'm a cheat and I've done my family wrong and I've done a nation wrong, but by the grace of Almighty God, I'm asking Him to forgive me and I want you to forgive me. And I'll be a manly thing, step down. I don't know if I want him to step down, let Al Gore be it not. I don't know. I'll step down and take Al with me. That sounds better, didn't it? Oh, mercy. I know you love me when I preach like this, but, but church, I tell you what, I can't help. This is in me and it's got to come out. It, I, just, I just can't keep it locked up down inside. Jesus said, I've chosen you that you can bring forth fruit that will last more than the legacy of, of the President of the United States. And... and uh, in, in verse 24 of that same chapter, Jesus says here, is that the verse I've got? I, I'm not sure that's the next verse. 1624, 1624, I'm sorry. 1624, look at it. The Bible said here in 
Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy might be full. I don't know. Oh, that's precious. Lord, I don't know how long to live here. But Jesus said, why don't you talk to me? Why don't you get some prayers answered? Why don't you pray for some lost soul to see them get saved? Why don't you pray for God to send revival and be willing to pay the price? Be willing to share with the joy in the joy of seeing a great revival come to Victory Baptist? Why don't you ask for some great thing that God can do to put His glory on display that your joy might be full? Jesus said, you've got a whole storehouse of blessings. man dreamed one time he went to heaven. When he got up there, he, he saw this big humongous warehouse and it had all kinds of things, great glorious things in it. And he said, Lord, what are those things? He said, those are the things that you could have had if you'd only asked me for them. God said, ask. Did he say, I'm not I'm able to do more than you can think or realize? Amen. Ask of me and I will show thee great and marvelous works that thou knowest not. That little church in the book of Acts, down on their knees and, and they're sitting in the, in, in the room, at, at, in the upper room there and, and on the day of Pentecost and, 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 and just waiting for the power of God, believing what God said would happen. And when it happened, buddy, they filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. When it happened, the Bible said they turned the then known world upside down with their doctrine. Oh, what power our God's got. Somehow or another, we got it in our mind that because we're living in, in this 21st century, in the year 2000, that the power of God has kind of faded off the scene, honey. But our God's still the same powerful God that has always been. And he said, you learn to ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. Oh, we don't have long to stay here. But Jesus said, you can do a mighty work while you're here. If you just learn how to trust me and ask me. Look at verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things, Jesus said, I spoke to you, that you might have joy. Look at verse chapter 17 and, and verse 11. The Bible said, and Jesus is praying now, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. Here Jesus is saying, Hey folks, did you realize what Jesus said? He said, God, I died. And because I died, Holy Spirit called Jim Tedder. And you gave me Jim Tedder. And now Lord, I'm giving Jim Tedder back to you that you can keep him. I like that church. And then we think, man, I can get it today and lose it tomorrow. That kind of salvation is not even to be found on the pages of God's Word. Jesus said, you keep them, Father. You keep them, Father, through thy name. Look at verse 12. While I was in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition 
that the scripture might be fulfilled. And if you got time and wanted me to and wanted to dispute the fact that Judas was never saved, I'll show you in the Bible where Jesus said he never was saved. And he said, the only one that, that I've got, that the only one, Lord, that, that, that's lost is that son of perdition. And all that you've given to me have I kept, and I've lost none of them. If Jesus said, I lost none of them. Brother, they're all going to be in heaven that's been saved by the God's marvelous grace. Look at verse 14. I've given unto them thy word, and the world hath hated them. I've given unto them thy word. Now, you can go out here at the dime store or Walmart, and you can buy a copy of the Bible. I'm talking about lost folks. But God said, they don't understand it. Matter of fact, very few lost people even read the Bible. Maybe they read a few passages of Scripture when somebody dies, but they, they don't know anything about the Bible. But he said, I've given to those that are saved thy word. Brother Marty was showing me a verse of Scripture a while ago in the, in the book of Ephesians. And, and I, I told him, I, I said, Brother, I have never seen that verse of Scripture. Yet when I opened my Bible, Brother Marty, I had it marked in yellow. But yet the way, it, all of a sudden, that thing was just jumping out at me. And, and, and things that, I, I evidently had seen that and, and it spoke to me, but it, it never spoken to me like that. I, I told you Sunday, uh, this morning, that that man stood up last Wednesday night in Valentine's and he preached the same message basically that I preached the Sunday before that about husbands uh, being the head of the house and wife being submitted to her husband and children obeying the parents. I preached the same thing the following Sunday, but I'd never seen it in the light in due season. See, that put a whole new light, a whole new aspect on being submitted and being listening to the Word and listening to the will of God. It will happen in due season. I've read that for... How many times have you heard me preach those scriptures? Scores of times. But I've never preached them in the light of in due season. In due season. You see, folks, I don't care how many times you read it, how many times you study it, how many times you teach it, how many times you preach it, it's always new. And Jesus said, I've given you these words. The world don't understand that. 